Hey, MEAC fans, it's time to step into a championship. The 2023 MEAC Men's and Women's Basketball Tournament tips off March 8th through the 11th at the Scope Arena in Norfolk, Virginia. Join all the Me action with competitive basketball games, fun theme nights, and fan fests, official after parties, and comedy shows. Tickets are on sale via Ticketmaster, and you can log on to MEACHoops.com for more info. The 2023 MEAC Basketball Tournament. Who will be crowned champion? Want to create a breakthrough gene therapy? Pioneer aerospace excellence? Start a global hospitality brand? Be next to do it in Montgomery County, Maryland. Visit bnext.thinkmoco.com to see how our top talent, diversity, and location will help you be the next company to change the world. Welcome to the Fantrax Toolshed. If you love Dynasty Leagues and prospects, you came to the right place, because that's what this show is all about. Covering the majors and all levels of the minor leagues to give you the leg up in your Dynasty Leagues. Now, here are your hosts, Eric Cross and Chris Clegg. All right, Dynasty and prospect fanatics around the world, welcome to the Toolshed. This is episode 46 of the Fantrax Toolshed with Clayton Cross, powered by Fantrax and FantraxHQ.com. I'm your host, Eric Cross, and with me, as always, from Fantrax HQ, Mr. Chris Clay. Chris, what's up, man? Not too much. Uh, yeah, I'm glad to have you back from vacation. So I know we'll have some good Dynasty talk. There's been a lot that's happened this past week, and uh, I know we'll even recap some of your live looks. So it'll yeah. be a good night, and I think it's going to be a great pod. I'm looking forward to kind of recapping a lot of you know, it's kind of a crazy week in baseball when we look kind of at the rundown and it seems yeah. like a lot has changed, a lot of dynasty movers, and I think it's going to be a great episode. Absolutely. And yeah, even even though I was on vacation down in the Philadelphia and southern New Jersey area for the last week plus, still got a live look at arguably the top pitching prospect in baseball, Grayson Rodriguez. We'll get into that in a little bit, but I'm just, it was a nice vacation, but, you know, being home now, I have my coffee milk again. Everyone that's listened to, you know, especially five tool from the past. I know it's about the whole coffee milk bit with Jake Devereaux and I, and they don't have coffee milk syrup or coffee syrup. I should say in that area, it's strictly like a new main mass, New Hampshire, Rhode Island type of thing. So got my coffee milk back in my podcast. I feel good. I go back to work tomorrow or today as you're listening to this. So not, not too happy about that. It's been a nice 10 days off though, but like Chris said, we got a lot to get to tonight, but before we do, Let's get into the usual housekeeping here. You can find us on Twitter. Chris is at RotoClegg. I am at AirCross04, and our show is at Fantrax Toolshed. If you enjoy our podcast, please rate and review on iTunes or wherever you're listening. Check out our Patreon for extra written content from both of us, bonus podcasts, private Discord access, access to our live prospect and dynasty rankings, and much more. These perks are available across four different tiers, starting at $5. Or if you just want to thank and support Chris and I, you can do so for $1 a month. Sign up today at patreon.com slash toolshed. And, of course, check out all the other great written and audio work we have on the network, including our other podcasts, SB Streamer, Fantasy Hockey Life. And for all you fantasy football fanatics, we just added two new fantasy football podcasts, Fantasy Football Addicts and Define Fantasy Football. So just in time for the football season, which is coming up here in a couple of weeks, which is kind of surprising here. The summer's flown by, but we still got plenty of baseball here. So let's get right into the episode here. Uh, we'll start with a bit of good news here. A couple bits of good news here. It's always good to start with some good news. Uh, we'll start with the uh, both of which actually come out of Miami. First of all, Edward Cabrera promoted from AAA. He will be starting on Wednesday. 
one of the top mm, 15 or so pitching prospects in baseball. Uh, he's had a very, very good uh, season in across three levels, mostly at double A AA and triple A. 13 total starts, 61 in the third innings, 293 ERA, 114 whip. Uh, just a very good season. One of the top arms in baseball or in the minor leagues, I should say. Chris, how excited are you about the Edward Cabrera promotion? I think it could be really good. I think for the Marlins, especially, they could use a nice jolt and maybe this is a guy. You know, their, their rotation's been stellar. Like, they constantly produce pitchers. They've be- kind of becoming like second to Cleveland in producing arms. And so, definitely exciting. You know, without having Sixto this year, it was kind of hard to compare the two, but a lot of people thought Cabrera could be the better of the two yeah. at one point. And then, you know, Sixto was pretty dominant last year. So, now he's going to get his chance to show himself and use a look and he's been absolutely dominant you know even really dating back to 2019 when he first moved up to high a and even in double a he dominated at 21 years old obviously last year kind of being a lost year we wondered if we, we might see him but we didn't there was some some injuries i think and then you know this year he's kind of had some struggles as well with injuries but still like you mentioned he's been solid when he's pitched the command kind of went a little bit at triple a but hopefully that'll bounce back. You know, he's not ever posted walk rates like that before in his career. I think he's a 30% K type guy, you know, sub 10% walk rate. So he should be really solid and definitely looking forward to seeing that, you know, nasty pitch mix that we've seen from him, you know, with his fastball slider and change, you know, slider and change have made a lot of strides, I think, and it will be a big part of him sticking as a starter. So I think that, you know, he definitely has a repertoire and the command to to be a starter long term. So definitely excited about him. Yeah, absolutely agree. Yeah, yeah, like you mentioned the secondaries have taken that step forward. Just that slider, right? That slider, I think, is a plus pitch down. You get that fastball, which is, you know, could be borderline double plus. Like I said, I don't give out, you know, you only like 50, you know, 55, 65 grade. I use 55 and 45. I don't use 65. If I would, I'd probably give his fastball a 65. I think it's closer to 70 than 60, but I'm not ready to put a 70 grade on it. But yeah, mid to upper 90s, got some good run and sink on it. That, that nice downhill plane he gets because uh, you get the 6'5 frame. A uh, very solid frame. As we talked before he came on the air. 6'5, about 220 or so. So solid frame. Maybe a little skinny, but like we were saying, not, not Tristan McKenzie skinny, who we'll talk about here later on in the show. But yeah, and that changeup has taken a step forward as well. It's to the point where I, I'd say it's at least average, flashes above average, and, and he's just shown a better feel for his entire arsenal, really. Where there was some reliever-less as sort of the you know the lack the secondaries a couple of years ago where they were, and the you know community control being you know solid but not great, and then obviously the injury history that we we both mentioned. So definitely solidified himself as a starter at this point. And yeah, I agree. I think he's gonna be a high K guy. You know, kind of a middle of the road walk guide, but not anything that's going to be you know detrimental to his value and should post some pretty strong ratios and in one of the best orgs in baseball for pitching development. So uh, I think he's just to keep getting better and better. And he could be long term. What do you think in long term, Edward Cabrera? Like top, mm, would you say he could be top twenty five fantasy arm, or is that a little high? You think? I, th- I think twenty top twenty five, top thirty is probably fair. Yeah, I think when you think about the upside, I think he's definitely capable of that. You know, I think I could see him being like a, you know, three, six ERA type. You know, I think the whip could be a little high. I think that's probably the biggest concern, but he's going to strike out a lot of guys. So I think top 25 is definitely reasonable. 
maybe in like that Jose Barrios range where it's like mid three ERA, good strikeouts. Yeah, I think you definitely settle in as like a solid mid to back end fantasy SP two or you know high end fantasy SP three, depending if you're like a twelve team or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think that's, that's fair. fair. And speaking of top twenty five arms from Miami, some some good news here out of Trevor Rogers' world here, where we we didn't really know what was going on with him for the longest time. He was put on the I feel it's like the family medical leave or whatever that's called. And he was transferred to the bereavement list and then to the restricted list because his stay on the bereavement list expired. Um, then uh, I forget the, I should have pulled up the gentleman's name that wrote this article down there, but uh, he interviewed uh, Cabrera, not Cabrera, uh, Rogers recently. And basically Rogers basically was dealing with a lot of COVID stuff in his family. Both his parents had COVID. Uh, it was more serious with his mother. His mother was actually on a ventilator um for a bit of time here and that's obviously never good when you need help breathing and then uh, he said he was like just hanging out with his dad because his dad was taking it hard uh, which is understandable and he lost bo- uh, both of his grandfathers recently as well so a lot of you know it's a lot of stuff going on family stuff so glad to hear obviously you know sucks you know condolences about both the grandfathers uh, but yeah glad to hear that his parents are doing well especially his mother who was kind of in a really scary spot for a little bit of time but Looks like he's ready to get back to the, in the baseball activities here, but he'll need to be ramped up, probably have a little bit of a rehab, maybe at least one or two rehab starts. So rest of the year, I don't know what we can expect out of um, out of Rodgers. Maybe a few starts, but are they going to really let him loose for the rest of the year? So redraft leagues, you know, I'd still obviously, you know, if he's available or if you have him, you got to keep him. But, um, yeah, I don't know if there's much value this year. So I don't think they're going to really pitch him more than, you know, they're not going to let him go with – them being out of contention that would make no sense especially after all the time he's missed but yeah it's just good good that everything's going better in his life right now so glad to hear that yeah and you know we have to talk about it from a fantasy perspective obviously and if you've held on to him this long in a redraft league i mean it doesn't hurt to keep holding him but i i would guess that you're probably looking at the report was that he would need a couple weeks to ramp up away from the team plus some rehab starts so that's probably mid-September, and like you said, I, I don't see him being pushed very much. So, you know, I've, I cut him in a 12-team. I still have him in TGFBI. Now we know something. I don't know. I don't know if I'll keep him or not. We'll, we'll see. We'll see what's available this week on the, the wire. But, you know, it's definitely something to contemplate. But, yeah, I don't see a ton of value this year. But, obviously, long-term, you know, Rodgers showed what he was capable of. And in Dynasty Leagues, I still think he's a solid SP2. All right, I'm going to put you in the hot seat here before we go on to our next topic, Chris. Let's go five years in the future. Rank these Marlins arms for me. As I'm, I'm assuming they're all good, still going to be here. So get, rank, for dynasty purposes, who you think would be the best in five years? Out of uh, Rogers, Sixto, Pablo, Cabrera, and Max Meyer. Rank those five for me. Oh, geez. All right, let me make sure I got them all. We didn't even include Lizardo. <laughs> oh, yeah. Let's throw him in there, too. Yeah, but that's crazy. He might be the bottom of that. You he know? could be. He could be. All right. So I would say my top is Rogers, then okay. Pablo. Rogers, Pablo. God, I love Meyer, too. But <laughs> it's, it's tough, ain't it? They're proven at the major league level. So Rogers, Pablo, Meyer, Sixto, Cabrera. Lazardo. I don't Tough. know. I like I love Lazardo, but I do know. too. I'm gonna go 
Rodgers won. I'm I'm still gonna put six oh two. Uh, it's a little risky, but I still love the skill set, th- love the pitch mix. Think the K rate will tick up. Seems to stay healthy, obviously. Um, but hopefully this is the last. Hopefully he can put everything behind him. Uh, I'll go. Yeah, I'll go Pablo three. He's just so he might be like <laughs> oddly enough the most boring quote unquote of this group, but he's just so damn good and so steady. Um, so I'll go him three. So do I have left? I'll go. Ooh, Meyer Cabrera, Meyer Cabrera. That's close. Probably Meyer, then Cabrera, then Luzardo. Luzardo could be like number two on this list, and it wouldn't shock me either if he corrects things. And he's in, you know, a great place to get corrected. So, um, yeah, that's that was tough. A lot of this shows all the pitch, and that, and that's not even including. They have so many other arms. Like we're just including like the top six. Like it's like six or seven more that are major league caliber starting arms too. So. It's an embarrassment of pitching riches down there in Miami. See if they can get the offense going. Um, moving out of Miami here, a couple more news and notes. Uh, a couple of demotions, uh, some high-profile prospects. Well, not prospects anymore, but they were at one time. Alec Baum and Trevor Larnick have been demoted over the last week to AAA. And you know, while the you know the quality of contact metrics for both were pretty solid, like. Bomb 92nd percentile average XF velocity, 91st percentile hard hit rates. And with Larnick, 63rd percentile, not quite as good, but 63rd percentile average XF velo, 50% hard hit rate, 97th percentile max XF velo. Now, neither one obviously were doing really well. 223, 322, 350 with seven home runs in 301 plate appearances for Larnick and for Alec Bomb, who I just saw recently at the Phillies game. Uh, and apparently, you know, my, my buddies that live down there, apparently Philadelphia has already like turned on bomb. Like they're done with Alec bomb already, which is, you know, a little bit early to be done with bomb. I'm not done with bomb fantasy. That's for sure. But uh, kind of lackluster season, 245, 302, 342 slash seven home runs and oddly enough, four steals and 407 plate appearances with them both getting demoted, Chris, and what you've seen with them this year. Which one are you more? I say, which one are you more confident in turning it around long term? <laughs> for for me, it's probably bomb. But yeah, I, I mean, I think I think both can turn it around. But I'm more confident in bomb. Yeah, I mean, just looking at the profile, I think bomb's biggest problem is he hits the ball on the ground too much. Yeah, terrible launch angle. The ground ball rate was near 53 percent this year. So while he's hitting it hard, he was just drilling it into the ground, which obviously wasn't going to play. I don't know. I it, do it's, think it's, like, that... it's like the Vladimir Guerrero issue from last year. He's like a poor man's Vlad Jr. going through the same issues that Vlad Jr. went through a year ago. Yeah, I mean, he's never going to have that power, I don't think. Right. He probably won't ever hit for that average, but I still think there's a solid ball player in here. I mean, I think there's a guy with plus raw power. I think there's you know above average to plus hit tool in the profile. And I think we just need to see him work on that swing a little bit and adjust a few things and hopefully get back on track. And, you know, Larnick's problem is a little harder to identify, in my opinion, than the contact rates were just really, really bad. And, you know, he could turn it around. I'm a little more confident in in Bohm just because I think it's easier to identify specifically, like, what's going wrong. I mean, Bohm's contact rates were, were solid. They were fine. He could probably do a little better in the zone. I mean, his zone contact was just 80% this year after being you know near 88% with in his MLB debut last year. Just the ground balls, man. That's the biggest thing. And I think that if he gets that right, then he will be okay. So I'm not 
overly worried from a dynasty perspective. Obviously, you can drop him in a redraft league, but from a dynasty perspective, you know this could be the best time to buy. Like his his yep. value is like nothing. So I think you can go out and trade for him for pretty cheap if if trades are still open in your leagues. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, the ground ball rate for fifty two point eight percent this year, twenty two point five percent fly ball rates. Average launch angle, 5.7 degrees. So, yeah, not good there. But, you know, like I said, his hard hit rate is up. It's top 9% of the league. It's just when you're slow, um, even though he has four steals, he's a below average runner, and you hit the ball hard into the ground, you know, especially in today's age where, you know, there's, you know, a lot more shifts and it's hard, it's harder to hit a ground ball through through the hole, so to speak, with, you know especially with a guy like Baum who doesn't have the speed to make up for it. It's not like you can, he's going to beat out a lot of these ground balls. So, um, and he's really been struggling against fastballs too, which has been odd. He's actually cranking off speed. He's hitting 330 versus breaking pitches, 375 versus off speed, 190 against fastballs. So that's very odd. Um, 25.4% whiff rate on fastball. He's just 266 slug, 241 Woba off fastball. It's just not doing anything doing well and that's a pitch he's seeing you know close to two-thirds of the time uh so yeah that's just not get the job done so correct the issue against fastballs launch angle get up i still, I still think he'd be a poor man's vlad you know obviously he's never going to be vlad he's not nearly the, t- the caliber player vlad is but like vlad's profile but scaled back to like 80 percent. so i think he's still i think he still could be like a 280 25 type of guy um especially in that ball it's a good ballpark you know good lineup around him probably you know harper's to be there for a while so um jt Romuto and so i still think yeah he, he can be a top 100 player long term so yeah right now is just a great time to buy and if you you know if you want to go out and just get one of these two i'd go after bomb first so i do think he's you know more correctable his issues like we said it's, it's the ground ball issue it's the it's the fastball issue so definitely still a believer in alec bomb but yeah, it's been a rough season i had a Fair amount of shares of Alec Baum, both redraft and dynasty. So it's been you know, a tough year for, for Alec Baum. And speaking of tough years, George Springer is hurt again. Uh, we give a lot of, you know, a lot of crap when you know, a lot of, you know, detractors for being hurt to guys like, you know, Alberto Mondesi, Steven Strasburg, you know, those are kind of like the poster boys for being hurt. But, George Springer ain't far behind him, like in terms of being hurt. Like the guy, he's played one full season back in 2016, and he's never played above 140 games since then. So it's not like as drastic as those guys, but at this point, he's only played 49 games this year. And he's been pretty solid in those 49 games 269, 362, 610 slug, which is the highest of his career, 16 home runs in 49 games. But we just, I just can't count on him to stay healthy. And now he's 30, is he 32? Almost, it'll be 32 next month. So he's not getting any younger, getting up in the mid thirties pretty soon here. Do you think, you know, are we, is it time to just really drop George Springer down our, you know, our dynasty rankings? Because I have him still slightly inside my, my top 100, but I'm wondering if that's too high at this point. Like the talent is there, obviously. He's always been pretty productive when he's been on the field, but. It just you can't count on him for more than like 130, 140 games at most now. Yeah, and even when he came back, I mean, he was playing like five days a week. He had yeah. finally, I think, built up a little more like the last couple of weeks, but even still, I mean, now he's out again. He was solid, like you said, since coming back in late June from the injury. I mean, a 275, 368, 611 slash, 
14 home runs over 193 plate appearances. I think the speed stolen bases aren't really a thing. They haven't been a thing, you know, really for a while with him. He's good to chip in a couple, but I'm not expecting any of that moving forward. But what kind of batting average should we expect? You know, I mean, in a batting average league, you look and he's kind of been inconsistent throughout his career. In 2015, 276, 261, and 16. Then he bumped to 283, back down to 265. 2019, his you know, career year was 292, and then dropped down 265 last year and 269 this year. You know, in a batting average league, is he if he hits 270 with good pop, like how valuable really is that other than him being in an elite lineup? Right. You know, like you said, when you factor, you know, the performance, and the injuries, I think he should probably be outside the top 100 and he's not outside of mine yet. So it's something to definitely consider. Yeah. And like I said, and that profile is, well, it's good. It's a profile that's kind of easily attainable or it's not, it's not a special profile I'll say. And then you get factor in like, you know, he could be a 270, 30 to 35 pace, but you know, what actually are you getting is, you know, scale that back to 130 games is 270 and what 24, 25, 26 home runs. Something yeah. like that, and then you got to factor, and you got to you know put him in the IL, find a replacement, and yeah, he's in a good lineup, and, and they're going to play him. I think they're going to try to keep playing him. Obviously, even though the smart thing would probably be to scale him back, and like I think which are, they kind of were, but how long are they going to realistically do that? Because they have him signed through it's had in front of me, twenty twenty six. They got five more years after this at an average annual value of twenty five million per. So this is you know they get a lot of money locked into here. To uh, George Springer, so they got to play. They you can't really scale him back when you're paying him that much money, even though you probably should at this point in his career with what he's you know shown durability wise. But yeah, definitely one that like I said he's a he's a good player. Um, I don't think either of us are saying go out and sell him right now, but you know maybe if you can still get like a top seventy five value for him, I would be okay selling George Springer right now because like we both kind of hinted that he should probably be valued outside the top one hundred just due to what he the profile and how many games he plays, but I have a feeling you could probably still get a top 75 player for him just on the name value alone. Cause I think the name George Springer might even be a top 50 name value. Is that fair? You think? Oh yeah. Yeah. I think so. And can we talk about these contracts? Like I hope that the, <laughs> I hope the CBA completely changes this up because no player really hits free agency till they're 30 That's, and then they I get know. these contracts. And by the end of the contracts, they're, you know, worthless. And this isn't bad. I mean, this isn't terrible by any means compared to some, but you know, like even you mentioned at the end of his contract, would it be like 37, 38? Is he worth 25 mil then? Probably not, you know? And so, gosh, I I hope that we see this change because the way it's done is terrible. And, you know, it limits a lot of teams that aren't going to spend these contracts on these 30 plus year olds. And so you stack teams, get stuck with these guys and then they're kind of screwed too when they're stuck paying them. So, I can't stand it, but yeah. And then like, you know, the whole arbitration thing, I've always hated arbitration. I think it's just terrible for the game was like you mentioned it delays. Like these guys should not be hitting for agency in their late twenties. Like, like you said with Albert Pujols, he did, he finally hit for agency and he's been absolutely terrible for the back half of this contract or actually back, you know, most of the two thirds of it probably. But uh, yeah, in arbitration, it just creates this, you know, unneeded, friction or tension between the player and the agent and the team because you're like, they're fighting back oh we think you're worth 3.2 oh i think i'm worth 3.8 and just 
know, we saw it with uh, it was Andrew Bogarts. That was kind of an issue here in Boston. Luckily, they finally came to an agreement, and now he's under a long-term contract, so it's still worked out. But you see that a lot where it, it kind of sours the relationship here and you know causes some good players to want to leave via free agency, especially on these small market teams. They can't really afford to you know dish out these big contracts like you know Toronto can. So yeah, it's it's a it's an issue, and hopefully you know, we'll see. I think it's gonna be some big changes in the CBA. We'll see. It's gonna be interesting. Hopefully, this is not a a work stoppage that goes along with that. Let's not let's not miss any games here. I don't want to miss any games. Um, but moving on here, uh, as we alluded to, I got to see Grayson Rodriguez uh, on was it Tuesday the seventeenth? So one of my first days out there, drove about an hour out to Reading. I was I was saying right outside the, of the city in Philadelphia, about an hour northwest out to Reading. Nice little ballpark, kind of in the in the mountains. It had a nice back, uh, nice scene behind it, mountain scene behind it. So it's a nice game, and he pitched great. You know, in six innings. And he gave up, uh, I think, two hits, one walk, one run, and seven strikeouts. And, yeah, he came as advertised. And uh, I was very impressed. You know, he was running his fastball. He was sitting really like 95 to 97 with the fastball. He topped out at um, 99 once or twice. Uh, was mixing in the you know, slider, curve, changeup. Slider was probably the most impressive. That's when he threw the most. Uh, I'd say easily plus offering there. I think that's plus. I think the fastball is easily plus, maybe even – Again, it's, it's one of those fastballs where I'd say 65 if, I, if I'd use that. Um, but easily plus. You get the two-plus offerings. Change-up and curve both kind of looked like they were average to above-average offerings. Uh, he, he used the change-up more than the curveball in that start. But he, he threw a couple of buttes um, for curveballs. They landed for strikes as well. And command, little spotty at times, uh, down in the zone. Uh, up in the zone, he was absolutely just carving hitters apart with that fastball. So much explosive life on it. And... Yeah, he came as advertised, and you know I think there was a debate for most of the season as to who the number one pitching prospect was after the fall of Gore and the rise of G-Rod and so many others. It was kind of like an open discussion, but I think G-Rod is now like undoubtedly my number one pitching prospect. After seeing him live as well, he's cemented for me as number one. Now, what, are you, what are your thoughts on G-Rod in general, Chris? Yeah, I mean, you just look, and his performance has just been – Stellar, I think he's you know steadily improved, and he's always been you know extremely solid. But when you just look and see the Arsenal, you know, getting better in my opinion, and the fall of a lot of guys, he's been consistent. And so when you see the consistency and how dominant he's been, as opposed to a lot of pitching prospects struggling, you know, it's hard to argue against him. I mean, the command is extremely good. The Arsenal is extremely well-rounded and he's got you know i would argue a couple plus pitches in there and the performance has just been absolutely stellar and even moving up to double a you know at 21 years old he's been dominant 61 innings he's been extremely good you know the strikeout rate near 40 percent walk rate at seven percent like when you have a k-minus walk rate of 32 percent at double a at 21 years old you're doing something right i mean a swinging yeah. strike rate of, of near 18 percent in high A, uh, obviously it's 23 innings. He had a 23.3% swinging strike rate. You know, you're missing bats. You're not walking a ton of guys. And everything under the hood looks great, too. It's not like he's been lucky by any means. Yeah, I mean, in high A, he had a high strand rate, but in a low habit. But even still, you know, his FIP was still 248 opposed to a 154 ERA. And his FIP is actually lower in double A at 281 than his ERA of 292. So, you know, you could argue that maybe he's had some luck go against him. You know, a little low, a lower strand rate at seventy-two percent, and 
the Babbitt of 260. So, yeah, I mean, he's he's really really good. I think that this Orioles organization is gonna has been developing players a lot better recently, and he's really thriving. I think they implemented a new pitching program, and he's just thrived. And he's refined the secondaries. The fastball we know is you know plus or better. So, like you said, I think it's awesome you got to to see him live, and I think he'll be you know a really really solid pitcher. I traded him last year in one of my dynasty leagues as part of a deal to get to Grom and, you know, kind of wish obviously to Grom's to Grom, but even still like <laughs> kind of would love to have him still in my farm system. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. He's, he's great. He's a stud and, and don't mind that random noise. You just heard that was my phone alarm going off. I'm not sure why I have a fo- alarm set for 9 PM on Monday, but that's, but that was my phone. So don't mind that. Don't be alarmed. Ah, don't be alarmed by my alarm. Um, but yeah, G Rod was just awesome, and that was great to get to see him. Um, let's go. We're actually gonna talk about him, this guy later in the show, but since you brought up Degrom, let's let's talk about him now because Degrom is being shut down the rest of the year. It looks like, and with his age, you know, Degrom is undoubtedly, I think, the best pitcher in the game right now. And but I think there it stands the question: Is he still the number one dynasty arm? Because even though we we talked many times on this show, Chris, about you know, look at the mileage, not the age, because he's low mileage for a 33-year-old. But then again, he still is 33. Just because he has low mileage doesn't mean he's going to pitch until he's 48 or anything like that. So I think with this this injury, you know, all these issues he's, he's had with the arm this year, I think, you know, I think that discussion for number one dynasty arm is back up in, you know, in, for debate right now. I mean, you, we got a bunch of guys you could put in that discussion, you know, you get the, at least two. You can put two Milwaukee arms in there. I'm not putting Freddie Peralta in there quite yet, even though I love Peralta. But you know, Burns and Woodruff are in the discussion. Bieber's still there, even though he's been out for most of the year. Garrett Cole was still there. Walker Bueller. So, is there a debate here, Chris? Do you for number one dynasty arm? Do you think? I think it's fair. I think it's fair to at least discuss it because when you look at the age, like, and what if? what if DeGrom is more hurt and has a surgery? You know, you mentioned he's 33 years old. Like if he were to have, you know, any kind of surgery that set him back even further, then we're looking at like 34 years old before he's pitching again. And yeah, I, I definitely look at, you know, mileage on pitchers arms before age, but I think it's still something, you know, noteworthy to discuss. And yeah, you mentioned, and while there's not like a clear cut number one, I think that you can make the argument for Bueller. I think you can make the argument for Cole. I think you can make it for Burns. I think you can make it for Woodruff, even though Woodruff's, you know, kind of struggled the last month. But all those guys are in the conversation. We're not even talking about Shane Bieber, who was that top guy for a while, but he's, mm-hmm. you know, missed a ton of time this year. And the list kind of goes on of, you know, guys that are just outside that conversation, Giolito even. But yeah, when I mean when he pitched, he was no doubt no doubt the best arm in baseball. There's no arguing that. I mean, just the results are absolutely stellar. I mean, he threw 92 innings, 108 ERA, a .55 whip, 146 Ks, just 11 walks. Like, it's ridiculous how good he was. And, you know, the crazy thing is, even though he hasn't pitched in so long, he's still the second highest-rated pitcher on Rasball's player rater, <laughs> Who, who's, just behind who's- Bueller. Okay, I was like, I was gonna ask who was number one. I was thinking it was yep. probably Bueller. Yep, it's Bueller, then Degrom, then Cole, Scherzer, Gaussman. It's interesting to see them still up there. Then Wheeler, 
surprised to see some other guy. Burns comes in next, but yeah, I mean, that's how good he was when he pitched that he yeah. still rated that high for fantasy purposes. But you know, for Dynasty, I think it definitely, you know, begs the question who is number one? And you know, Bueller has had probably the most quiet, dominant season that we've seen. And yeah, I think he's right up there in like the innings lead, you know, for the most innings thrown this year. He's thrown 162. Uh, Wheeler's thrown 169. I'm not sure if anybody else has topped that, but obviously he's been durable. He has a 211 ERA, a .93 whip, 170 strikeouts. So the strikeouts are really the biggest question mark. Like he's not like overwhelming. He's got a, a 9.4 K per nine, but the walks are good too. Just 2.3 per nine. So Bueller doesn't really have the strikeout stuff of some of the other aces, but the results have been there and he's been durable. He's getting the job done. So you can make an argument, I think, for several pitchers for that number one spot right now, not including Otani, who were, you know, I think Otani's obviously highest rated of any of those, a dual player, but yeah, outside of Otani, anybody yeah. could be one. Yeah, he's kind of like a, on a different category all by himself, but. You, you know, well, something's falling off my desk here. You know, you know what other Raider Walker Bueller is number one in, Chris? What's that? The tight pants Raider. Oh yeah, that's that's <laughs> easy number one. Bueller and them tight pants are just dominating this year. Yeah, I think it, it'd be one thing if Degrom was. I'll even say like twenty nine thirty, but the fact that thirty three, like mentioned, potential for surgery here, putting on even longer. And he's getting up in the mid thirties. Yeah, I don't know if there was like a dyna- uh, pitcher only dynasty mock draft right now. I think Degrom would still go one, but it wouldn't surprise me if any of those other arms we talked about stuck in there. Probably if I had to put anybody else one, I think Bieber with him being injured right now wouldn't go above Degrom. But I wouldn't be surprised if Burns or I think Burns and Bueller are the two that I think could you know, unseat DeGrom right now. I think Woodruff is in that mix as well and Garrett Cole too, but Garrett Cole is also, you know, a little older than the other arms. So yeah, it's definitely, you know, I'm definitely worried about DeGrom because he's been kind of nicked up all year and it kind of sucks that he's been so nicked up because it's robbed us of arguably one of the best single season pitching performances ever. Like put it, put him, put him in the same category as uh, Pedro in, 99 and 2000, Bob Gibson in 67, you know, those types of uh, Clemens in 86, you know, this is one of the best singles, maybe even better than those. Um, and we kind of got robbed of it. Is there any, how many innings pitches did, did he have this year? He didn't even crack a hundred. Did he DeGrom? Yeah. Uh, 92. Okay. So yeah, we got 92 innings. So we got around half a season of, De, of arguably one of the top five pitching performances we've seen. So, yeah, it's definitely a question, and that'll be interesting. I think we should have uh, that type of episode in the offseason, like a dynasty mock draft, bring on some some good pitching minds. That'll be interesting to see how that shakes out at the top because a lot of good names that I can go many different ways. But, yeah, that's at least a discussion once again with him being shut down and then in the injuries and the age as well. Uh, let's go ahead and hit a quick break here. We'll go back on the other side, talk some arms that are breaking out, some rising underrated hitters, and a lot more. So stick with us. 
Hey, MEAC fans, it's time to step into a championship. The 2023 MEAC Men's and Women's Basketball Tournament tips off March 8th through the 11th at the Scope Arena in Norfolk, Virginia. Join all the Me action with competitive basketball games, fun theme nights, and fan fests, official after parties, and comedy shows. Tickets are on sale via Ticketmaster, and you can log on to MEACHoops.com for more info. The 2023 MEAC Basketball Tournament. Who will be crowned champion? All right, welcome back from the break. Just getting some arms here that are on the rise. Three in particular that have really been, you know, over the last month or two, really been taking off here and flying up rankings boards here. That's Logan Webb, Tristan McKenzie, and Shane McClanahan. Let's, let's start with Logan Webb here. I, I put out a tweet earlier today, you know, over his last 12 starts, Logan Webb has been a fantasy ace. Like he really has. Uh, in those 12 starts, he has, uh, where did it go? It's had a, yeah, right here. Uh, his last 12 starts, 66 and a third innings, 1.63 ERA, 0.92 whip, 5.4% walk rate, 28% strikeout rate. And he's had in those last 12 starts, two earned runs or less in every single start. So I was kind of, you know, I always kind of liked Logan Webb. Not a ton. I was never huge on him as a prospect. But, you know, so I was kind of waiting for the wheels to fall off, right? I was like, all right, this has been a great performance. You know, had some good starts in a row here. But I thought he would slow down. I thought this hot streak would come to an end at some point. But it's really not. And, you know, while I don't think this level is going to stick, I don't think he's a fantasy ace moving forward, like the, you know, the, ERA on the year is 284, XERA is 341. Um, but a lot of this is for real. Like he doesn't give up many barrels. The hard hit rate is is fairly low, 36.7%. The walk rate has improved. K rate's really improved this year. His slider is one of the best sliders in baseball. 156 batting average against, 46.3% whiff rate. Um, his sinker's been decent enough, but I am worried because he does have three pitches with a batting average against above 250. The sinker, changeup, and the four-seamer, 259, 259, 296, respectively. XBAs all in that same general area. So it's not like he's been unlucky, but that slider, which he throws almost 30% of the time, has really helped him. So I do think he's going to slow down here, but I think he's realistically could be a top 30 arm moving forward. What are your thoughts, Chris? Yeah, uh, I mean, it's hard to say not to sell high like i think he's good i think he's a solid arm but i think you could sell really high right now i if think so you too. can still trade in the dynasty league i'd probably do it and i think he's good i don't think he's elite and he's still young so i could be totally wrong in saying this but yeah i mean you kind of look and everything you know under the hood looks good he's changed his pitch mix up this year and i think that's been a, a factor for sure I don't know. I'm just worried that regression could be coming and I want to be on the right side of it. So right. I'm not opposed to it in the right deal. I'm also not opposed to keeping him because I think he can be a solid arm who, you know, could be helpful for you long term. But, you know, just some of the underlying metrics have me slightly paused with, you know, going too high on him. The strikeout numbers, you know, are, are good. And I just think overall, I think you could get a lot for him right now. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if the strikeouts did tick down a little bit considering, you know, swinging strike rate of 11.7%, which is up, you know, that is up from last year. 
at 8.8%. So you do like to see that. He has made strides. And I don't want you to hear me say that I think he's a bad pitcher by any means. But I just think that, you know, when guys are at peak value, is a good time to sell in Dynasty League. Like, that's what we do is we, you know, have to play like the stock market. And you have to know when to hold and when to fold, when to sell. And so I think that Webb's probably a solid, like, SP3 long-term. Yeah, I think you could get, you know, SP2 value for him right now. So I would potentially dangle him in a trade and see what people would, would pay up. You just, you just got that song stuck in my head. You know that? You got to know when to fold them, no one to hold it, or no one to hold them. No one to, I, I'm messing up the song, but <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, I totally agree. And, and what has you know kind of helped him? I, I mentioned the uh, you know 259 or above average against three of his four offerings. I'm not including the cutter. He's thrown 18 times for a 1.2 percent usage rate. But the fact that he had everything is not hit too hard and it's hit into the ground. He has a 61.8 percent ground ball rate this year. Only 17.3% fly ball rate. So that has definitely helped. Um, the fact that, you know, while people are kind of, you know, they, they're making contact off his pitches outside the slider, they're, it's going right into the ground. So uh, and it's pretty solid defense out there in San Fran. It's definitely helped him as well. So him with that team in that ballpark, it's a great fit. It really is. But yeah, I do think I, I would agree with, you know, I would definitely look to sell high right now. I still think he can be, I agree that he can be a good arm moving forward but just the fact that his he has one good pitch and outside of that like the changeup is decent 28.7 percent whiff rate 259 batting average against 370 slug so like even though his averages are kind of high all three of those pitches almost have the same exact slug 371 370 370 so does he be able to keep this up long term and you know elevate another pitch to get you know higher whiff rate to go along with that slider we'll see but yeah, definitely. I think he's going to be top 30, top 40 arm moving forward. But and we even had a tweet directed at both of us earlier today, um, kind of asking, you know, would we trade Joran Alvarez or Luis Robert for Logan Webb? And while Logan Webb's been great and you know, he's been one of the best arms in baseball over the last two, three months, you know, that just shows how high some people value him right now. So it won't hurt to at least dangle him out there and see, you know, what you can get for him right now for sure. Uh, same thing can kind of go with Shane McClanahan, you know, but McClanahan has, you know, the stats have been good, not quite as good as Logan Webb, but 363 ERA on the year, 128 whip, 28.5% K rate, 7.8% whiff, uh, walk rate, excuse me. And, but he has like, you look at, I like his pitch mix more than I like Logan Webb's. McClanahan has three pitches with a 40% or higher whiff rate slider curve change up all 40% or higher. And the fastball, it's kind of his worst pitch, even though it's 96 and a half miles an hour on velocity, but it's 297 batting average against 522 slug. That's been kind of a below average pitch in terms of effectiveness this year for him. But all the secondaries have been pretty good. The changeups getting, you know, 318 batting average against, but only a 257 XBA. So, and a 347 X slug. So, a little bit unlucky there, but I like his pitch mix more. And I think if I had to pick one of these two moving forward, I would go McClanahan. What are your thoughts, Chris? Yeah, I think so too. I think there's, you know, one, there's more pedigree that we've seen long-term here. We've seen the performance from a longer standpoint. And yes, I know p- people can make changes and, and he has, but yeah, with McClanahan, I do like the pitch mix a lot. Obviously I'd like to see him use the change up a little bit more. I think that he has a you know really solid arsenal 
And when you look at his pitch mix, you know, reminds a little bit of like, you know, Robbie Ray this year that we've seen. Yep. You know, even like a Rodon. So there's a lot to like in this profile, in my opinion, even though he has gotten hit hard, you know, his, when he's allowed contact, it hasn't been, you know, great contact by any means, but he's kind of made up for it with the whiff rate and the chase rate. So he's getting away with it. And even though, you know, you look and the underlying metrics are still good. Actually, his Sierra and FIP are both lower than his ERA. His XERA is high at 441 because that does factor a little more of the stat cast in. But, you know, I think that McClanahan's the type of guy that can excel because of his bat missing stuff. And, you know, that kind of gives him the edge to Webb for me because he does miss more bats. And I think that he's capable of sustaining that, you know, long term. I think he's a 30% K rate type guy. Yeah, I, I love McClanahan. I love him down there in Tampa Bay. You know, they've always had a good track record with, with developing arms. And he, can't, he kind of reminds me of kind of like Blake Snell when Blake Snell was good. You know, he was missing a lot of bats, especially with the, with the, the off speed and the fastball kind of came and went in terms of effectiveness. So he kind of reminds me a little bit of Brett, of uh, Blake Snell. I'm not saying he's going to be as good as Blake Snell was that one year or as bad as Blake Snell has been since or as inconsistent, I should say. As he's been since that that Cy Young year, but yeah, definitely really like McClanahan. I love the pitch mix. He's and he's always been really filthy too. He's always had this really good pitch mix, and he's gotten better. He he, he kind of went from a thrower to a pitcher over the last two three years, uh, dating back to his, his days in college. So it really has improved just his overall pitch mix and his sequencing, so on and so forth. So yeah, definitely buying into McClanahan for sure. And I think he could be a, a definite SP two. Moving forward, I think he could be a top twenty arm. I think I wouldn't be surprised if he stuck into like that sixteen to twenty range in our in our rankings for dynasty pitchers moving forward. So he's got the stop, especially if the fastball. If he can find a way to limit the hard contact off his four seamer, I think that definitely that would take him from where he is now to that level. I think so. Definitely, definitely buying in on him right now because I think his his arrow is firmly pointed up. Another arm here that's really pointed up over the last month or so. Tristan McKenzie, who's been really inconsistent throughout his major league career, lots of ups, lots of downs. Uh, over the last month, though, he has been just dominant. Last four starts in the month of August, 28 innings, 193 ERA, 0.50 WHIP, 2% walk rate, 28.6% K rates. And I, I mentioned in my tweet yesterday that uh, in his last three starts, 34% with uh, CSW or higher, 29% whiff rate or higher and a 60% or higher whiff rate on both breaking balls in each of his last two starts. Are you buying this, Chris? I, I, I'm kind of buying. I'm so worried about, you know, his durability, obviously, like we mentioned, he's still very skinny. I worry about how many innings he can throw over a full season year in year out, but now I'm, I'll say I'm partially buying, but not fully buying it. I still have my questions, but what do you, what are your thoughts about Kenzie? Are you buying in? Yeah, I think he's made the tangible changes that you want to see. And a lot of it had to do with control. I think he's really putting the time to work on that. And you know, the results have been there. I mean, the walks have been way down. And, you know, we're seeing him perform at a high level just consistently. You know, he had that, he's had a couple blow up starts, you know, dating back to July. Since August, he's been stellar. But, you know, in July, July 31st, he had a little blow up start there against the White Sox with six earned runs, two starts before five earned runs against Cleveland. But, you know, there's was a lot of good starts sprinkled in there. And since then, since August, he's just looked like a different pitcher. And, you know, it's hard to know what to attest it to for sure. But 
since even with the couple of blow up starts, the walks were were down a decent bit, and the numbers have just been stellar since. You bring up you know valid concerns. I think with the durability, I do think he needs a little more meat on those bones to see if you know he can be durable long term. Someone feed him a cheeseburger, yeah, something. Seriously. Someone feed Tristan McKenzie, please. Whatever the best cheeseburger place is in Cleveland, yeah, y'all, y'all take the man there. But <laughs> I mean, the results have been there. Like I mentioned, yeah, I made the mistake of sitting him on the bench in a couple of places last week. I wish I wouldn't have, but he's in my starting lineup this week, so I'm gonna hope this sustains because it's been really good. The results are there, and I do think long term, like he's always flashed the potential. That's the thing. We've seen the potential, and I think that he's made the tangible changes now to really take a step forward. So, yeah, I'm buying. I think he's a borderline, you know, like top 100 to 125, like overall dynasty type. And, yeah, I feel pretty comfortable slotting him there. Like, he's in a similar spot to McClanahan and, you know, Webb being slightly behind for me. Okay, so I I differ a little bit there. I'm not quite ready to put him in the McClanahan range because I have a lot more questions about McKenzie than McClanahan. But at the same time... If I see, like, I'm still like, this durability, I just giant red flag for me. He just looks like a guy that's going to be injured and not being able to go deep in the games consistently, even though he's, you know, averaging seven, seven innings per start over the last four. But I just worry about that durability long term. So I'm not quite ready to put it. I actually have Webb ahead of him right now. But so right now I rank them McClanahan, Webb, McKenzie. But um, if McKenzie can silence my durability concerns, he would definitely move, I think, ahead of Webb. I think he has higher upside than Webb, I will say that. And even, you know, I mentioned his inconsistencies overall. You look at just the metrics on each of his three, you know, I'm not even including the changeup. He doesn't really throw that anymore. Each of his three pitches, four-seamer, curveball, slider, even through the inconsistencies over the last two years, 2020, batting average against, four-seamer, 194, slider, 130, curve, 077. This year, four-seamer, 206, slider, 130, curve, 097. So even though I said he's had inconsistencies on the surface, had those blow up outings, the metrics are very good on all of his pitches, and that's not luck either. XBAs are very low on all three of those as well. So, uh, and whiff rates have been high each each of the last two seasons. So, uh, the talent is there, and if he can maintain this improved command and control he's shown lately, which and he was a good, pretty solid command and control guy in the minor leagues too. Um, but when he got up to the majors, especially earlier this year, it was just. He was a totally different guy. He couldn't find the strike zone. Walk rate was very high, uh, getting himself into trouble. So if this McKenzie is here to stay, then, yeah, he's going to move up a lot higher for me. But I still would take McClanahan over him, Webb over him for now. But I think he could pass Webb here if this continues moving forward. Uh, moving over to some hitters now, and we have several hitters on here. Well, we're we're going to talk six or seven hitters here. We'll see how much time we have. But some of the more underrated guys that aren't the flashiest you know, aren't the, they don't have the buzzy names, but they're just getting the job done. You know, we talked about Austin Raleigh a bit recently. Um, we, we touched on him again, but really the three here that are, are I want to talk about Jake Cronenworth, Jonathan India, and Willie Adames. I just wrote about Cronenworth recently. If you want to check out my detailed thoughts on him, check out that on fantraxhq.com. But him and Jonathan India and Adames, they have both, all three of them have been easy top i'd say 50 players over the last couple of months here Cronenworth has been really good all year india has really taken off as the reds leadoff hitter high on base on like a 2012 pace or something like that 
a lot of runs, good OBP. And then Willie Adamez is the guy that we all hoped he could be after that trade. And you looked at his ro- home road splits. He's basically matching those road splits now that he's gotten out of Tampa. So, and, and at one point, I think a week or two ago, I put out a tweet that he had the second highest WOBA for shortstops since that trade, which was like May 21st or something like that in baseball. Only behind, obviously, Fernando Tatis Jr. But I have all three of them as top 100 guys now. And I, and I feel very confident about that. What are your thoughts, Chris? Any of these three that you maybe aren't quite buying right now? No, I mean, that's the crazy thing. They're all, I'm buying all of them. You know, Jake Cronenworth just continues to rake. And, you know, he's one that was great last year when we faded. We're like, oh, just a, you know, small sample. Yeah, I I think it's because he was like the the older prospect. He debuted at what, 26, I think it was. So I think that's because he wasn't like a huge prospect pedigree. He's like, all right, cute little story, but yeah, whatever. I think that's kind of the mindset. Yep, but he's continued to perform, and the power has been, you know, a pleasant surprise this year. And you know, we'd I'd like to see him hit for a little higher average, but shoot, two eighty, come on, two eighty with nineteen home runs, four stolen bases, extremely good. You know, he doesn't chase the ball much, he doesn't whiff much, he doesn't strike out. It's all things you like to see, and yep. you know, the only knock on him is he doesn't hit the ball that hard. But he's getting away. I mean, it's working. You know, whatever he's doing is working fine. He's obviously got a lot more poolside power, but, you know, that'll play. I'm not worried about that at all. And I think he's going to be a solid player for years to come, plus the versatility. I love that he can yes. you know, play multiple positions. That's that's clutch. Yeah. In fantasy, when you have a guy that can play multiple positions, it's huge. And I think he's going to continue to do that. I know he's played a lot of short for him since Tatis moved to the outfield, but you know, even still, I I think he's going to continue to get enough reps where he'll stick and play multiple positions and have a lot of eligibility for fantasy purposes. Now, India is one that I think that we should all be adapting to more. He's been so good. And I think, you know, we kind of discounted that. I mean, he's got 387 OBP. I know the average 276. Yeah, it's solid, but six, 16 home runs, eight stolen bases. He's been really good. 850 OPS. You can't really argue with that. He's a similar boat to Cronenworth where, you know, the average exit velocity and a hard hit rate aren't great, but he's still making it work. He plays in a great ballpark for home runs, so he'll be there long-term. I really like India as well, and, you know, he's a huge value boost for OBP, and I don't know if people realize that. If you play an OBP league, I think this is like a borderline top 100 type player. I think he's that good. And so Adamas, you know, sorry, Adamas I think is just, this is who he is. He just played in the trop and you know, his career road splits were stellar. All three of these guys are hundred percent. I'm buying. I think he, India might even be higher. Like I had, I have him top hundred for average leagues. So I think he could be legit, like top 60 or so in OBP, even though, and I see that, you know, some of the detractors are that his expected stats aren't anything that wow you. It's two forty nine XBA four six four nineteen X slug. But you know, it, you don't always have to have a you know this majestic savant page. Now we we reference a lot of savant metrics and they're great, but sometimes you don't have to reference that. Like you look at like Francisco Lindor is the poster child for that. He never had like these great savant metrics. You know a lot of red. There was it was good obviously, but he was one that like you looked at his savant and you wouldn't think that he was a guy that was a you know MVP candidate for the last half decade or whatever. So. 
Um, I, I I'm definitely buying. Like, let's look at India. He just uh, the game I was at. Uh, I was Phillies Reds uh, Sunday before last on the 17th or whatever or 16th whatever it was, and he let off the game with a home run. Next two at bats, singles in the left, and then I think he finished three for five. But he was just so in control. Was, you know, loved. I love the approach he has. Like high OBP. K rate is like league around league average, but above average walk rate. Just puts the ball in play. Above average barrel rate. You know, I think there could be even be a little more speed to be had there too. Like 87th percentile sprint speed. I think he could be a 20 homer, 15 steal guy or something like that with a 375 or higher OBP. You know, a lot of runs scored, you know, leading off for a pretty good Cincinnati lineup with guys like Castellanos and Winker and Joey Votto hitting behind him. So I'm definitely buying. I think he's top 100 for average, top 75 or even top 60 for OBP. And yeah, Willie Adamas, yeah, like I said, he's just performing as we thought. And, you know, the metrics, again, metrics aren't great. You know, a lot of above league average, but not like elite metrics. But he's got the K rate, raised the walk rate, hitting the ball harder that he's out of the trough. And I think that's just what it was. Sometimes a player and a home ballpark just aren't a good fit. And that was what it was. And, and I don't blame him. Like, the trough is not a great place to play. Like, you know, you hear a lot of negative things. I've never been there, but you hear a lot of great you know, negative things, excuse me, about the trough. So. And you look at his home road splits, they were just ridiculous. It was like 220 or so at home, like 295 on the road. And, you know, since going over there, he's basically matched those road metrics. And now that he's out of the trough. So definitely, I think 280 and 25 plus for Adames are very realistic moving forward. And he's still only, he's still only 25 too, which is ridiculous. You, you think, I thought he was like 28 or so, but he's still only 25. So, so very young. I don't think there's a big difference between him and like a Carlos Correa moving forward. I think they're kind of similar players. I would still take Correa, but I don't think there's this massive gap. So, and yeah, with Cornerworth, you know, like I said I, I have that article, so I won't get too in depth on him here, but just one of the best pure hitters, best plate approaches in the game. Like Chris, you mentioned, you know, the whiff rate, chase rate are both really good. And I think there's more potential for more speed here too. 84 percentile sprint speed, only four steals and 518 plate appearances. I think he could be more of a 10 to 15 steal guy to go along with, you know, 20 low twenties home runs. Like you mentioned, the power metrics aren't great. They're solid, but not, you know, they don't wow you. But I think just the sum of the parts here with, you know, he has got a, a pretty solid uh, launch angle, 12.6 degrees, hits the ball hard enough, barrels the ball enough, puts, you know, the contact skills, the approach, the selectiveness. I think this, the sum of the parts here. Kind of add up to you know a higher home run total than the metrics might you know metrics might show. So yeah, I'm definitely buying all three, all three are top 100 for me moving forward for sure. Moving on to a, a few more names here um, that are really heating heating up, and you know, Dansby Swanson, who was a popular draft pick back in the spring, but kind of scuffled to start the year. He's really come on lately. You know, Chris, I'll, I'll give it to you here. You know, you, you being the brave guy that's seen him you know more than most. What have you seen here throughout the season that you know has kind of signaled this resurgence from Dancy Swanson? Well, he's certainly you know been more productive from a contact standpoint, where he's been much better in that department. And I think this is him just kind of coming into his own of of who we thought he could be. And you know, it's a distant memory of him being the number one overall pick. Now that was a long time ago, it seems. And sometimes it just takes guys a little longer to develop. And others, but I mean, over the last month, 
he's just absolutely raked. You know, seven home runs, three stolen bags, 421 OBP over that time. He's been really, really good. He's another one of these guys with, you know, middling exit velocities, actually a really good hard hit rate. You know, 75 percentile is pretty good for, you know, a player like him. But even still, you know, good barrel rate. The biggest, I think, knack on him is still the strikeout rate being a little high. But even even still, we've seen that come down. It's just at 24%. So it's not that high in today's you know world. Yeah. I just think that you're looking at a player that's evolving and coming to his own. He's you know hitting the ball harder. He's making better contact. You know, he's getting the ball in the air more consistently. And we're seeing the the pay dividends here. And you know, it's not like all his home runs are like, you know, weak home runs. Like these are legit home runs that are clearing the fence by a decent margin. And even you look at the spray chart and there's even some plenty of balls out there near the wall that, you know, could be home runs that, that aren't. And, you know, 25 home runs so far, like people never projected him to be more than like a, a 20 home run guy. Yeah. He has 25 so far in 516 plate appearances, nine stolen backs. Like he's a, a 30, 10 type player. And that's exactly what he was pacing last year. And he started the season slow. And, you know, I wrote an article this off season about that. Exactly about how he was performing so well. And this even happened back to 2019 where, you know, prior to injury, he was breaking out and, you know, the injury kind of stopped him there. He had a similar thing last year where some injuries kind of kept him from being the breakout type player. And now we're seeing it. We're seeing him, you know, come into his own and just be the guy that everybody thought he could be. And it's funny because early in the year, people were screaming that the Braves should DFA him. Like right, he was playing yeah. that bad. That like, was Braves crazy. Fans, like, even, who, even yeah, he was slumping. But my word, that was ridiculous. Yeah, like nuts. And there, and people were like, it's actually speculation that's happening. And yeah, you know, I even thought like, wait, is this for real? Like, are they actually going to do this? I still have, you know, I think three years of team control. That would be nuts. But here we are, and he's really coming to his own. And I think we're looking at a really solid player who's just entering his prime at 27 years old. Yeah, he has probably the quietest 25 homers you'll ever see. Like yeah. that, you know, with the 25, 25th home run tonight on Monday night when we're recording here, that put him third by himself among shortstops for home runs this year, only behind Marcus Semien at 30 and Fernando Tatis Jr. at 34. So he's third and he's got, he's on pace for probably what, 85, 90 runs, close to 100 RBI, 12 to you know, 12, 13 steals. Like this is going to be, even though it's, you go from a guy that was people were calling for his head and calling for him to be DFA, which again, crazy, but this is a guy that's on a two sixty six, thirty, ninety five, eighty five, twelve pace or something like that. That's very good. And it looks like he's like been well, about a top 50 or so player, even with that slow start factored in. So, you know, probably since he's started hitting again, He's probably been like a top 25 player or so over the last couple of months. So you know, yeah. definitely, and again, oh. he's, he's just one that's just so underrated because he doesn't light up the page with Savant. So he's definitely one I think you still get for, for even though he's hitting well right now, you can probably still get him for a pretty reasonable cost in Dynasty. Yeah, on Yahoo, you know how they kind of rank the players. So over the last month, you know, in the OBP format, 5x5 five five OBP format, he's the third ranked player. There you go. So overall, like that's how good he's been. And since, since the All-Star break, you know, I mean, he's – 319, 370, 574 since the all-star break, nine home runs. The powers come, you know, over the last month, but even still, like, um, he's he may be, I think he's the highest WRC plus of any shortstop since the all-star break. He is. Willie Adamas yep. is second. Yep. 
that makes yeah. sense. And that's that's ahead of the god Fernando Tatis Jr. So, yeah, yeah, this is I am buying. I've always, you know, while I was never, I'll admit, I was never the biggest uh, Swanson guy in the minors when he was coming up through. Um, I think it's kind of like you looked at you, oh, number one pick, but he never really looked like a number one pick. But again, like you mentioned, it takes some guys longer sometimes. And I've definitely, with each passing year, I seem to be more in on Dansby Swanson. So I dropped him down earlier in the year when he was struggling. I think he kind of had to, but now he is definitely moving back up. He's back at seven top 100. I think he's, he could be like if this Dansby Swanson that we're seeing now, like this pace of a, 30, 10, you know, 180 plus, you know, runs plus RBI guys, solid, you know, solid, but not great average. This is a top 60 or so player, maybe even top 50 for OBP moving forward. So, um, yeah, love that he's hitting again. And Atlanta, you guys really needed him to start hitting again with, yeah. with, with Acuna going down. And, you know, he's been a huge reason why the Braves have now kind of established themselves as the, as the team to beat in that National League East over the last month or so with how well they've been playing coming in tonight with a nine-game winning streak against the Yankees, who also have a nine-game winning streak. So hopefully you guys win this game tonight. Let's beat the Yankees. Right. Yeah, beat they, the, we're down down three to one in the eighth, but... Come on. Beat the Yankees. Would you? You can't have them winning 10 in a row. I know. I know. But a couple... A win. Yeah. A <laughs> couple more uh, hitters here before we go. Some, some bigger names here. I think it's time, you know, Teos Hernandez doesn't get as much love as he should. Like... He's one that you look at a savant page. There's a lot of red there, and there has been for a couple of years now. Now this year, you know, when he really, when he broke out, you know, previously, it was like, all right, this is great, the power's great, but what we saw previously with the terms of like how fluctuant his batting average was, I think a lot of us, myself included, were like, all right, this ain't gonna last. But he hit 289 last year, 306 this year, highest OBP of his career, 349. Slugging is a little bit down a little bit from last year, but still 525. Yeah, I think it's time. Like he's on a he missed a little bit of time. He only has 430 play appearances, but he's on a red run, probably a 30, low 30s home run, 110 RBI, 85 run, 15 or you know, 12 to 15 steal pace. And with that 306 average, 349 OBP, you know, and he's made some tangible improvements. Yeah, there's still now, he still whiffs a bit much. You know, he still chases a bit much. But at the same time, the whiff rate is the lowest it's been since 2016. You know, the chase rate is, you know, it's gone up a little bit. It's, it's right, kind of right in line with last year. So it's still, that's still worse than league average. But the metrics aren't daunting anymore. And he's, he's improved in a lot of areas. He's been more um, aggressive on the first pitch, really hunting out that first pitch fastball. And I think he needs to be talked about as one of the elite fantasy options in the game. I'm not saying top 25, but top 40, top 50. I think it's time that we really talk about him in that in that regard. What do you think? Yeah, even with the missed time, he on the Rasball's play rater, 17th best player this year. So yep. you know, you're you're looking at a very solid player here. And even he's still only 28, the, too. Yeah, it's not like he's old by any means. You know, I think he's still got plenty of prime left. I think he's going to be in a great lineup for years to come where he should, I think that run total will tick up too, where, you know, just 61 runs. I think that I'm, I'm surprised it's not closer to his RBI total of, of 84. I agree. So, that, that lineup is just really good. It's I think that lineup is only going to get better once the, you know, once 
you know, Kurt gets established, and so, you know, they bring up Austin Martin and Jordan Gro. And I started not Austin Martin and got rid of him. Uh, <laughs> Jordan Groshans and Aurelius Martinez. Um, the, the lineup is to keep getting better and better. That's to be a very good lineup for a long time, and he'll be hitting right in the thick of it with good hitters in front of him and behind him. Yep, and he absolutely bombs too. The contact rates are improved, which you know has been fantastic for him to see that go up. The strikeout rate that was a concern for me. I mean, you look at the strikeout numbers and. They weren't good in 2019, 33%. Even last year in his you know, big breakout year, 30%. But now down to 24.8%. That's huge for him. I'd like to see him walk a little bit more. But like you mentioned, the OBP is still solid because he's hitting for high average. I just think that, that he's legit. I mean, you look, you could say that there's should be Babbitt progression, but he's got elite sprint speed. So he's always kind of ran high Babbitts. And you know, we saw it last year, saw it this year. Who's to say he's not a high Babbitt guy? Because he scorches the ball and he's got a great sprint speed, so kind of good recipes for high Babbitt. Yeah, absolutely. Like I mentioned he is one that the savant metrics are phenomenal, especially when it comes to quality of contact. 90th percentile, or let's say 87th percentile or higher in average exit velo, max exit velo, hard hit, x woba, xba, x slug, and bail rate. And sprint speed to 84th percentile as well. Like, the blue, the blue balls are whiff rate, chase rate, walk rate, K rate, as, as you know, we both kind of alluded to. But he just makes, he just hits the ball so damn hard. In fact, he has a 92nd percentile XBA. So if you're wondering, oh, this is not, you know, it's still fluky. He's not going to hit 306. The XBA is 287. XBA last year was 294. Like, it's legit now. You know, we got to start believing fully in Teoscar Hernandez being an elite player. And I need to bump him even higher than I have him in my rankings because – I think this is legit. The lineup, the the ballpark, you know, the skill set here, the age, it's all good right in his prime. So I think we're going to see this type of Teoscar Hernandez for, you know, at least next few years. A couple more players here before we get out of here. Speaking of resurgences like we did with Dancy Swanson and others, Brendan Lau has, you know, he started off, this, off the season pretty well, went into a really, really bad funk, but he has really turned it around. Like, Look at the last last 28 days, 295, 376, 642, slash line, eight home runs, nine doubles, and 109 plate appearances. He, you know, after he had 182 in, in April, 196 in, in May, 241 in June, started heating up a little bit then, seven home runs, and then 288 in July, 286 in August, and has cut the K rate basically every month for the most part. Are you buying this, Chris, or... You think this is just what he what he is? He's gonna be, you know, really streaky end of the year. Numbers look pretty solid for the most part, but just just like the massive ups and downs. What what are your thoughts on? on yeah, I, I remember we talked about him a couple months ago, and I was afraid he was going into a full platoon because of mm. you know how bad the splits were. And he's still not great against lefties, but he's been you know, better. He certainly you know, matches righties. I don't know. I think he's going to be a streaky player, and so. Yeah, I think in a like a season long roto context, he's going to be fine because he's going to have a lot of hot streaks, and yeah. you know he's going to have a lot of weeks in a head to head format where he really sinks you. I think, but yeah, I mean, even still, like he's really turned it on over the last you know month and a half, almost two months, like you mentioned. The strikeout rate has been cut, the walk rates ticked up, two eighty seven since July first, two eighty seven, three eighty six, six thirty three slash, and thirteen home runs over that time. So. Yeah, he's been good, and I'm just afraid like he'll he'll probably hit a cold patch at some point, and he's going to be a streaky player. 
Yeah, I, I think that's what he's. I think he's just gonna be always streaky. You know, more valuable in roto than head to head. So you mentioned he's still even with the resurgence here against lefties. It's yeah, it's still not good against uh, where'd it go? Oh yeah, right there against righties two sixty two three seventy eight five sixty four against lefties one seventy six two fifty nine three sixty six uh, over one hundred and forty seven plate appearances with a strikeout rate above thirty four percent. So yeah, still not good against there. And, you know, the Rays, you know, they, they get cute with their lineups a lot of times. But, um, yeah, I, I think if you can sell high on Lau right now, I definitely would just because that inevitable, you know, the peaks and valleys, that valley's coming. And I think this would be always a lot of peaks and valleys with him. And I, I think you could say the same thing with Luis Robert, who will end the show with here. But you know, he's – it's a small sample size, obviously – He's only seen, you know, hundred. He's only hundred and three batted balls this year, four hundred seventy eight pitches, hundred and fifty one plate appearances. But he's hitting three twenty four right now, three sixty seven OBP. Has the walk rate has gone down, which is never great. But the K rate at the same time, you take the you know, take the good with the bad. The K rate's also gone down. So down the, from thirty two point two percent to twenty four point five percent. Quality of contact metrics are pretty good right now. Max XAV low, ninety first percentile. Still one of the fastest guys in the game. And he has, you know, he's been, like I said, a small sample size, of course, but he's been a lot of tangible changes. And the biggest one, the two biggest ones that I see here, zone contact has gone up 16% this year. And whiff rate has gone down 12.5%. He's still above league average whiff rate. He's never going to be a great plate approach guy, but I am at least encouraged with these improvements that because he could be a top 10 dynasty guy just because that power so he could go 30 30 30 40 you know something like that he has that power and speed we've seen that so the i'm i'm at least encouraged by the the gains this year but you know what what have you seen from robert are you encouraged as well or are you still kind of a little hesitant no i definitely think there's been major strides and we saw it before the injury and i think we're still seeing it even still i mean since he returned from injury earlier in august the zone contacts at 94 percent, which is really good you know, the overall contact rate at 82%. So, you know, that's fine. The zone contact's elite there. Swinging strike rate is fine. It's way down from last year. He's one of the worst winging strike rates of any hitter last year. And I think that, like you said, I think he's made tangible changes. I do. I would like to see him walk a little more. I mean, you know, even still, he's got an 18.2% strikeout rate since he returned. Just 44 plate appearances, but 2.3 walk, 2.3% walk rate. So I'd like to see that tick up a little bit. But... I do think, you know, it's a product of a small sample, but I'd like to see him walk a little more. But I do think he's on his way to being an elite player. I mean, he's still young. He just turned 24 earlier this month. And I think there's a lot of good days ahead of him. You know, the power speed, I think, is legit. If the contact rates stick, then I think he could be a, you know, borderline Fernando Tatis-type player. He's that that much upside. Absolutely. Now, again, fast forward five years. Is he top 10 in dynasty rankings? Yeah, I think so. I think so, too. I think that's fair. Yeah, like I said, he's one of the highest upsides in baseball. So, and a guy that I have a lot invested in in Dynasty League. So, I really hope that he hits that ceiling because that would mean good things for me. But yeah, look at you know this year again, small sample size, but you know the launch angle is good, exit velo is good, max exit velo is good, and he has an XBA of two fifty nine or higher against all three pitch classifications. So, really improved a lot across. And there's, there's still more to be done, obviously. Like we mentioned, that the approach still needs some more tinkering, but to the point where he it won't I don't think I think it's gotten to the point where I'm less worried about the approach 
kind of being a total boon to his value right now. Um, I don't think that the bottom's going to fall out as I, as I kind of did last season. So um, definitely more encouraged by Robert. So see how he ends the season. And if he ends the season, you know, continuing to show these improvements and still have a, you know, a good overall stat line, I think you'll see him back in the top two rounds of drafts next year, just because of the upside and, and the improvements he's shown. So very encouraged by Luis Robert, but that is going to wrap up this episode. Thank you to everyone again for listening this week. We hope you all enjoyed it. You can follow us on Twitter. Chris is at RotoClegg. I'm Cross 4 and our show at Fantrax Toolshed. And check out all of our written work at FantraxHQ.com or over on our Patreon. Make sure to tune in again next week for more Dynasty and Prospect Talk. But until then, everyone take care. Yeah.